For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Mark chapter 12, we read it last week, verses 29 and 30. Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And if you would, let's turn to one more scripture. That's John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We're going to read, I'm going to read the English Standard Version. I just want to read a few verses here for you. Starting with verse 7 of John chapter 4. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask drink for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. I want to talk to you for the next few moments on this very simple subject, and I do mean few moments, on this very simple subject, the well. The well. Lord Jesus, we know that your word commands us to love the Lord with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. But God, we have turned to so many other different things to satisfy what only you can fulfill. And God, we pray that in this place today, you would speak to us and challenge us through your word. And God, that we would leave here differently, with a different outlook and a different perspective than we walked in. And God, that our lives would be forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. When the woman of Samaria, we read this woman, we're not privileged to have her name. We don't understand what exactly uh, brings her to the well at this time. This is not necessarily the time when women came to the well to draw, but perhaps it was her social standing in life that brought her to the well at this time and not earlier in the morning. 
maybe it was some things that had taken place. Maybe she was just so busy that morning she couldn't get to the well when everybody else would come, so she had to come later in the afternoon. Anybody know what it's like to have your schedule messed up and you, you had to get there? To, but, but whatever the reason was, uh, I, I will say that when this woman came to the well, she came at the divine appointment. She came at the time that was set by God that he must needs go through Samaria. And it was maybe for this woman, maybe it was a, maybe it was a, a thing for her to come at this time. Maybe this was just the time that she came every day. I, I don't know. I don't know if this was her custom to come at this time and Jesus just kind of knew that she would be there, or if he knew that it was this specific day that she was going to be at that well at that time. But I do believe that he knew exactly what he was doing when he told his disciples, I must needs go to Samaria. And then when he said he's going through Samaria, and he gets to Samaria, and he, gets, he tells the disciples to go and to buy food, and so he's there alone, and the woman comes Whatever you think about this woman, this was the well that she kept coming back to. Because she said, I don't want to come back here. She said, if you can, if you can make it to where I don't ever have to come back here again, that's what I'm down with. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but I think we can probably all in some way identify with this woman. Because she had been searching for something. She had been longing for something. She wanted something. And she kept coming to the well, hoping that uh, that would satisfy, that that would take care of what she needed. And Jesus meets her and He basically tells her, what you're coming for, you will never find here. And she says, but I don't understand. And He said, well, if you, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for a drink. If you knew who it was that you were having a discussion with, if you knew who you were in the presence of, you wouldn't turn to this well. You would say, I want something from that well. So many times she had come to this well. And this well never could satisfy. This well never could take care of what she longed for and and, and I would venture to say that we think of it as, as the well and there's water and, and all these things. But uh, what I would also say is that this story does not end there. Jesus kept on. Jesus pressed into her personal life. My kids say that he got in her grill. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say that. He got all up in her beeswax, all up in her business. And he says, very nonchalantly, okay, go call your husband. Really? <laughs> really? Go, I don't have a husband. Jesus knew. You see, this woman had had five husbands. I had somebody tell me one time, they, I preached on this, and they said, well, thank God, I've only had two marriages. 
I said, you're missing the point. The point was not if she had two or five or 20. The point was Jesus was calling her out because what she tended to do, somebody hear me today, was she tended to go to relationships with men to find what she was looking for. She had just told Jesus, if you would give me living water, I wouldn't have to come to this well. I wouldn't have to be thirsty anymore. And he was saying, wait, 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 let me take it a little further. That was, we're talking about natural thirst, but we're also talking about spiritual thirst. And he said, I want to take you a little deeper and help you understand that you keep going to the wrong well. The first and the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And she was Jewish partly, so maybe she didn't get it fully. And so Jesus said, hey, you seem to be a religious woman. She said, yeah, we worship, and, and this is how you worship, and this is how our fathers say to worship, and, and, and I, know what the, I know what the Scripture says. I know what we're supposed to do. And Jesus said, everybody who drinks of this water, you're going to thirst again. Amen. Each and every one of us have a tendency uh, to, to produce idols in our life. We are idol factories. We make idols out of everything. We make idols out of sports. We make idols out of hobbies. We make idols out of shopping. We make idols out of our kids. We make idols out of relationships. You say, well, I don't think it's really an idol. Well, here's, here's how you know if it's an idol or not. Um, when God spoke to Abraham, he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son... And I want you to offer him to me. It's really quiet now. I know we're thinking about this, but that's how we know. Because this is what he was, he was wanting to know. Abraham, do you love me as much as the pagans love their idols? The pagans loved their idols so much, they would sacrifice their firstborn. They would sacrifice their own flesh and blood, their own children, for these idols. And so Jesus uh, says to the woman, he says, okay, go call your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He said, you're, you're telling the truth. You don't, but you've had five. And herein lies the problem. You keep going back to the wrong well. Abraham, would you sacrifice Isaac? And he wanted to see if he was willing to sacrifice him, to put him on the altar. And Abraham was. And so before he was able to do anything to Isaac, the angel stops him. And, and we understand that that's a, a type and a figure of Jesus Christ giving himself for us, that, there, that, that God would provide himself a lamb. And we understand, amen, that there has got to be a living sacrifice that you and I, uh, we give ourselves willingly. It's not a drudgery. It's not, uh, it, we don't complain about it. We just, uh, we, we put down the idols in our life and, and we have to present ourselves, our bodies, our, our whole beings, a living sacrifice. 
And the only way that it's holy and acceptable to God is if it's done out of our love for Him. If we follow the first commandment to love the Lord with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And if we don't, and if we're just doing a show of coming to church and, and just being somewhat religious, and we've missed the first and greatest commandment, which is love, then we're missing out on a... a, a, a a key component, and we talked about it last week, love is the key, but the only way it works, the only way we stick is if we put down the idols and we say, God, I love you more than anything else. I want you more than anything else. I don't want part of you. I don't want just some. I, I don't want a, a little bit just enough to get me by and help me escape hell and make heaven. I want all of you that I can have in my life. When we replace God, you know, that hunger, that thirst, that desire, that longing that we're missing something, that something's not quite right in our life. When we, when we superimpose and we say, well, maybe, maybe I can find fulfillment in a relationship. Whether it's our spouse, our parents, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our sons, our daughters, whatever it is, if we place those expectations, we are setting ourselves up for disappointment, for failure, and for heartache. Some of you know, know this all too well. I'm not telling people who don't know. You're smart people in this place. You're, you're not ignorant people. You're, you're wise people. You understand this. But for some reason, we, we sometimes place this, this expectation on people that they are going to be able to satisfy our desires. And so we, we, we obtain friendships and relationships. And we, we have this situation where we, we put these realist, unrealistic expectations on people. Or maybe on our job. Or maybe our drug of choice. And some people say, well, you know, that's, that's nice, Pastor. You're talking to everybody else. I don't have a drug of choice. Some of us eat. We eat when we're depressed. Pastor, you can talk about a lot of stuff. Let's get off the food for a little bit. What is it? What is your will? What is it that you have replaced that, that longing, that desire? You, 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 you want more, and you think that you're going to find it. And so you look to whatever it is, a relationship. How do you know? How do I know? How do I know if I put it ahead of God? What if God asked you to give it up today? What if God said never again? Do I want you to look at it, taste it, touch it, feel it, whatever? I want you to separate yourself from it. What if God said that relationship is not good for you? Get out of it. What if he said you need to get some, some discipline and quit eating when you're depressed and pray a little bit more? What if he said, I want you to get rid of the, the, the tobacco. I want you to get rid of the alcohol. I want you to get rid of the prescription or non-prescription drugs. And I want you to turn your life over to me. Only I can satisfy you. Only I can fulfill what that longing in your spirit and your soul is for. And I know some of us were like, man, I don't have any problem. 
no eating problems, no drug problems. I don't even, I'm, I'm good. I don't even have relationship problems. Every one of us has something. It's a go-to. Let's just call it a go-to. What do you do when you're depressed? What do you go to when you aren't satisfied? And, you know, some people turn to, uh, you know, sex. Some people turn to adrenaline, thrills. I know, it's pretty quiet. It's all right. I kind of expected that. But whatever it is that you're trying to fill that hole with, it will never work. You're going to be disappointed. You know, I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, you know, I get, I'm pretty depressed until I go out and I shoot about 200 rounds and then I'm good. Why? Because it's, a, it's adrenaline. Some people, they, they go from one thrill ride to the next thrill ride. I want to jump out of a plane. Now I want to jump a four-wheeler. Now I want to, I mean, and they just do one thing after another. It's like you can't get enough. And after having done these things, you realize, I'm still kind of sad. I'm still kind of depressed. This didn't, this didn't do what I thought it was going to do. And we build these, these things up in our mind. And uh, Jeremiah 2, verse 13 It says this, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. When we love idols, and we love the things that we have placed ahead of God in our lives, we love those more than we love God. You know what it's like? It's like running a marathon and trying to get nourishment from a bottle of sand. It's like taking a bottle of sand. You're, you're, you're parched. You're, you're dehydrated. The, you know, you can hardly breathe. And you're just... <gasps> Anybody ever feel like that? You know what I'm talking about? You get done with a run or something. You get done with exercise or working out. And you're just... You're so thirsty. And somebody hands you a bottle of sand. Would that do it for you? It'd be worse, right? It'd make things worse. What you need is you need water. There's a difference between water and sand, amen? Uh, you're not going to be able to hydrate with sand, but that's what you do when you go to those other things and not to Jesus. He said, if you, if you drink from this stuff, you will thirst again. You will be thirsty almost instantaneously when the high wears off, when the buzz wears off, when the relationship isn't so new and you pass out of the honeymoon phase. There will be a dehydration and you will be unsatisfied. That's why marriages fail. Because they built up, well, when we get married, everything is going to be better. And so many times people place unrealistic expectations on each other going into marriage that, let's, let's just be honest, uh, she can't fulfill and he can't fulfill. There is no way. One of my, I, I do pre-marriage counseling with as many people as are smart enough to take it. Let me just put it that way. If you weren't smart enough to take pre-marriage counseling, you need to take post-marriage counseling. If you're still young in, in your, your early marriage years, get some, get some counseling. Because somebody needs to tell you, look, take off those glasses, understand that person is not the, the wonderful, just amazing, will never let you down person that you imagine them to be. They're also, after a year or so of marriage, they're also not that beast that you imagine them to be. 
Well, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. How many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you did not have any pre-marriage counseling? Would you raise your hand? You did not have any pre-marriage counseling. Look at that. And you had to figure a lot of that stuff out for yourself. Hopefully, you had somebody in your life that gave you some wisdom. Hopefully, you, you had a, a, a good example to follow, but many times people do not. And so what they think is they think, you know what? I'm going to marry this person. This is the perfect person for me, and they're awesome, and everything's great, and, and it's going to be so wonderful, and we're going to have the most enchanted life. He's my prince, and I'll be his princess. And everything will be so wonderful, and we will live happily ever after. We'll just float on the clouds. The birdies will bring us our clothes to put on in the morning, all pressed and nice and neat. And everything will just be wonderful. But it's not like that. It's not like that. And the first morning you wake up and their breath smells and you're like, oh, ooh. go brush your teeth. I want to talk to you right now. And, and you, you got to get up and you got to go to work because you got to, you know, provide for the, the, the lifestyle of the ever after that you love. And you realize, you know what? Prince Charming ain't so charming. And you realize she's not quite as pretty as I thought she was. And you think to yourself, what in the world did I do? And that first huge after marriage fight develops. And you start calling each other funny names. I mean crazy names. And you start, you pull everything out like stuff that you know from their family history and they pull out stuff from your family history. Come on now, y'all acting like it ain't even a real fight till you start pulling everybody's relatives into it. <laughs> hey, confession is good for the soul, Brian. I'm just saying. Man. Well, what happens is we, we expect them to, to, to fulfill this longing that they can't fulfill. We expect them to make us happy at all times, and they can't make us happy at all times. We, we think, this is what I need. This is what's going to take care of the missing piece in my life, only to find out they have a missing piece too. And we can't fix this together. There's no way for me to fix her missing piece, and I'm not fixing, uh, you know, she can't fix my missing piece, and so what are we going to do? And this poor lady, she had been through this five times, Jessica. Five times. And Jesus, I think he probed on purpose. I think he did it for real. Like, he was like, go get your husband. Wow. You know? For, for some of you, Jesus be like, go watch your Netflix. Oh. Oh. For some of us, he'd be like, just go grab the bottle. For, for others, he, he might be like, you know, why don't you just go get yourself some sweets? 
Get a big chocolate cake. But Jesus, I don't have a chocolate cake. You've had five. And the one you have now doesn't even belong to you. It's supposed to go to your neighbor. It's their birthday, not yours. What is it that we try to replace Jesus with? What is it that we're trying to replace that living water with? It is in our nature, our very nature. If we can't find something, we'll create something. Well, you know, this God that brought us, you, you, think, you think it's just us. It's not. This God that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. We, we, don't even know, we don't even know about this Moses guy anymore. I mean, I think he's, I think he's a, a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. Aaron, we want to have God's. We want to have something we can see. We want to have something we can touch. Only then will we be happy. And God said, uh, no. No, that's not going to work. As a matter of fact, I need to make an example of this so that you understand fashioning other gods, making other gods will never satisfy you. And so what did they have to do? They had to grind it up. They had to put it in the water, and they had to drink it. You know, I always thought that was weird. Did anybody else think that was weird? Like, God, you could just, and just, you know, knock them out if you wanted to do that. Why are you making them drink? And then I came into this scripture in John chapter 4 where he said, that water... It'll never satisfy. You'll keep being thirsty. You'll keep wanting more. Why? Because you'll just fashion another God. You'll create another God. You'll have another relationship. You'll marry another person. And they won't. If we don't get our soul activity fixed, another marriage partner is not going to do it for us. If our soul is not right and we're not in love with God and letting Him satisfy our soul, our children will never be able to impress us enough. Well, what is your well? You say well around Big Mike, he'll say that's a deep subject. <laughs> it is a deep subject. What is your well? What is your well? What is your go-to? When you start feeling less than enough, you start feeling inadequate, you get a little depressed, and you, you want more, something is missing, what do you go to? Is there somebody that you call? Is there somebody that you reach out to? None of those things. If, if you've tried... None of those things will satisfy. You can drink from the well. The well that you think will work. The well that you've kind of presupposed in your mind, this is what I need. 
It might be cigarettes, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it might be relationships, it might be food, it might be shopping, it might be adrenaline. It, it, it could be all sorts of things, but, but whatever it is, here's the, here's the key. It will never satisfy. You, you, I've, I've used this before, so it's not new. But how many of you have ever eaten so much you thought, I will never eat again? How many of you, you've eaten so much, you were so full? I mean, like you had to almost unbuckle your belt because like it was, you were just so full. And you thought, I, I'm not going to eat for three days. There is no way, I couldn't even, I can't even think about food right now. And before the day is over, before the day is even over, like you had a big lunch. I mean, it was so big that you rolled yourself out of there. And you said, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to eat the rest of the day. And then dinner comes, you're like, yeah, I'm not hungry. Everything's good. Before you go to bed, your stomach starts going, hmm, you skipped dinner, did you? Right? You're like, Let me find some cookies and milk. Let me find some cheese and crackers. Let me find something. I got to eat something. Why? Because... Food won't satisfy you. How many of you have ever smoked, you smoked one cigarette and that's all you ever smoked in your life, just one cigarette? Nobody. Nobody ever smokes just one. Nobody ever takes just one drink. It doesn't stop with one sexual escapade. Let's just be honest. Because when that's over, then there's more. You want more. You desire more. And your flesh seems to say, you know what? It's not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. And that's that cycle that pulls us in because when we put things above God, then whatever it is, it, it becomes sin to us. Because we've put it above God, it's become our idol. We are then in idolatry because we're not loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what happens is we, we fall into sin. And, and at first, you know, we don't need a whole lot to kind of satisfy us for a, a minute or two. But then we need more and we need more. And it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And before you know it, you've had five chocolate cakes. My, my wife, she showed me a meme, I think it was my wife, showed me a meme not too long ago about a uh, burglar breaks in at two in the morning and catches me eating a whole cheesecake all by myself. Did, was that you? And I'm like, go ahead, take whatever you want. Why? Because that's how, you know, some people, they cannot find anything to satisfy for long enough. Jesus said, the reason that you are in this position, lady, is because you thought you could get that with relationships. He said, you've had these five husbands and the one that you have now is not your husband. And what he was trying to get across to this woman is that only through loving him will your heart be satisfied. Only through giving yourself completely to him Will you ever find the fulfillment that will last a lifetime? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just challenge some of you today. I, I, I know this is different for me. I'm, I, I've, I've cried about how I'm going to talk about this to you today. But, but there are those of you 
that I'm, I'm going to be really very transparent with you right now. There are those of you that I have prayed for and I feel on my heart. If you don't, if you don't understand this, if you don't it, it very soon get this point, you're going to go down that cycle again. This is not about the church. This is not about me. This is not about money. This is not about our building. This is not. This has nothing to do with any of that. All this. I'm. I'm talking. I'm just talking about you right now. This has everything to do with you. And what is your well? What is your go-to? Is it Jesus? If it's not, if 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 loving Jesus has become something that only the religious people do to you, then maybe we just need to scratch everything else and go back to the foundation, go back to the very first commandment. The rich young ruler comes and he says, Jesus, what does it take to have eternal life? I would submit to you today that if you want to have eternal life, loving Jesus is the only way. And you don't just love him in that I say I love him. Oh, Jesus, I love you. We talked about that last week. We have to actually live I love you. That, that living I love you will cause some things to be different in our heart and in our life and the way that we do things, the way that, behave, that we behave. And so if we understand that, and we, we, I'm not trying, again, I said this last week, but we can't regulate you into loving God. I, I, can't, I can't make enough rules or guidelines for this church. We can't have enough programs or systems in this church to get you into that place where you say, I've got to love God. It doesn't work that way. That's why Jesus said the first thing, the very first thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because if you don't, the rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great you preach. It doesn't matter how good you sing. It doesn't matter how important you are to this local church. If you don't love the Lord your God with everything, then there's going to be something still missing. And before you know it, that missing is going to be pulling and you're going to be longing for something else. And it will pull you away. I've seen relationships pull people out of the church. I've seen addictions pull people out of the church. I've seen families and children pull people out of the church. They, they just simply... Walked away. Sometimes they even told me, love you, we love the church. No hard feelings. It's not really anything bad about you. Okay. It wasn't me. It wasn't the church. We didn't purposely run them away. But they left. How can you just walk away? Well, you can walk away if you love something else more. So, question that I pose to you in closing today is, what is your well? This is what I'm going to ask you to do. And, and I, 
I'm not trying, this is not a hype. This is not trying to push you into something you don't want to do. I, I simply understand that Jesus said, you've got to love me with everything. So this is what I want you to examine. This is how I want you to preach to yourself for just a minute. What is your well? What is your go-to? If it's a relationship, if it's food, if it's whatever, I want you to talk to God about that today. And I want you to say, God, I'll give it up for you. Whatever it is. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to tell you you have to give it up. I'm saying that I want you, if you feel that way, you feel like maybe this has been something that's hindering me from getting closer to God, I want you just to make that step of faith and say, God, I want to love you with all of my heart. I talked last week and said, you know, my wife doesn't want to be my number one. <laughs> she wants to be my only one. God doesn't want to be your, just your number one. He wants to be the only one in your life. Is there anything that you love more than God? Is there anything that you turn to or you go to for satisfaction and fulfillment more than God? And if there is, I want you just to take some time. Maybe you say, well, I'm not ready for this. Okay. I pray that you will be soon. My prayer is that I don't say anything and that this church doesn't do anything to offend you or run you off. But at the same time, you've got to understand the number one principle, the number one commandment is you've got to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul. It's amazing to me. We have the almighty God of the universe who does amazing things, healings, miracles, financial miracles, blessings, just abundance of grace and mercy in our lives. And as a pastor, I have to stand up here and beg you, please love God. Please love Him. Please don't let anything else... I mean, He's so awesome. He's so great. He's so wonderful. He is the living water. Please, please love Him. You would think that sounds foolish, right? That sounds just absurd that somebody's so great and wonderful and has been so good to us that, that somebody would have to beg you to love Him. But I said it already and I'll repeat it in closing. I can't make you. I want to inspire you to. I want to encourage you to. I want to tell you that it's the best life. I want to tell you that when you start letting Jesus satisfy you and not these other things, your life will change so much. It'll be so different. I, I, I know there's not, everything's not always going to be easy. There's going to be hard times. But when you say, Jesus, I want you to satisfy my every longing. I want you to satisfy my desires. God, I want you to be in control. There's going to be something that comes over you. It's going to be peace. It's going to be joy. Amen. The Holy Ghost is going to sweep over your soul. And as you surrender yourself to Him, the Almighty God of the universe, who loves you so much that He gave Himself for you, there is something that is going to take place. That longing will be filled. You won't have to go search for things anymore. You don't have to find it in anything else. I wish I could tell you there's story after story in this building. Not perfect people, but people who have figured out that the longing of their soul can only be filled by Jesus. Would you stand with me today? What is your will?
What is your will? What is, what is it that's holding you back? What is it that keeps you from giving everything to Jesus? Whatever it is today, my challenge to you as we close is please offer it and surrender. God, if it's, if it's what I've been eating and how I've been depending on eating and how I've been depending on alcohol, I've been depending on uh, tobacco, I've been depending on drugs, whatever it is, I've been depending on this relationship, I've been depending on uh, this stuff with my children, this stuff with my parents, whatever it is, God, I surrender it to you. And God, the next time I start feeling down and I start feeling depressed, I'm going to talk to you before I do anything. I'm going to start just right now, God. I'm going to tell you that there's some things missing and I need you to make me whole. I need you to complete me. So this altar is open today. I can't give you the answer that there's something else out there. All I can do is give you the answer. That is Jesus. He's the one. He's the one. You'll drink, you'll never thirst again. He's the one that whatever you need, He can supply. He's the one that whenever you feel unlovable, that He loves you. Whenever it dawns on you what a sinner you are and how unworthy you are and He still wraps His arms of love around you. There's nobody like Jesus. I give you Jesus today. He is the one that will satisfy your soul.